Shall we all be upstanding as we read Bible reading? Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shina, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Verse 5. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. Verse 11. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. Verse 14. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. Verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding, about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. May the Lord bless his word in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. amen. Now, let's take our declaration uh, as we begin to study this morning, or this evening. Are we ready? All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I am filled with the knowledge of his will. As a result of this, I'm walking in manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I apply my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Can you just go around? Don't, don't move around. Just turn around. Greet two, three people. And tell them God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to understanding. Welcome to insight. Welcome to understanding. Welcome to insight. In the name of Jesus. Alright, we've already taken our Bible reading, so there's nothing else for me to do but to start um, preaching. Amen? Okay, we have more we'll read later, but um, I'm happy we've already done that. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's continue what we have been teaching for some time, and that's concerning how to build up our faith. And we said that what we do, um, let me, I think I'll quickly just get into the thing I want to say. What we have been looking at is how to build up our faith. And we've said that what we are doing, what we ask to do in that regard is to deliberately, consciously build up our lives. Now, please notice what I said. We want to build up our faith. But what do we do? We deliberately build up what? Our lives in four important areas on the word of God. We said, number one, we build up our lives on how we understand things. As simple as if you fall, you ask yourself from God's word, why did I fall? I hope you're getting my point. If something is happening to everybody and it happens to you, it doesn't have the same explanation. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes maybe I need money and they pay everybody working the same place where I'm working a lot of money. I don't consider it luck because God does things in an interesting way. He may want to bless only one person and he sends money to 20 people. He say, what about other, other people? He wants to bless other people too. That's number one. Number two, if he doesn't want to bless them, he knows how to collect his money back. He will give them money, he won't give them wisdom. Do you get my point? So I don't care whether everybody is being blessed. I count my own blessing in a very, very personal way. That's the way it is. It's a personal thing. I receive it as if God thought of only me and sent money to the whole of Nigeria. I hope you're getting my point. Now that's what we do. You deliberately interpret your life by faith. Take a man like Joseph. He was in prison. There were many people in prison. That's their problem. How did, why did Joseph get into prison? Because God sent a man ahead of them. Why the man next door is in prison is irrelevant. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay? Listen, if God wants to bless somebody, he's working on that person directly. There are other people that may appear on the side. Don't ever get confused by what's happening to other people. If this nation decides to prosper and I prosper inside it, okay, it is because God wanted me to prosper. I will not say that uh, you're just lucky. I'm not lucky. And that's why I will not go around looking for where there's prosperity around so I can prosper. I believe that if God has to cause rain to fall in the wilderness because of me, he will. Even though that rain will not affect many people, that one doesn't concern me. I deliberately interpret my life by faith. I deliberately interpret my life by faith. And it's not because you're lying. I mean, it's not a matter of making yourself feel happy. It is the truth of the word of God. We've discussed that. I don't want to go over that again. Number two, we said what? You, you, your expectations in life are divided into two sides. What will your life become? And number two, what are you supposed to have in life? Both of them, again, you derive from the word of God. One, God has a destiny prepared for you. Number two, every provision for your life has been described in his word. We said the other time, you don't have the privilege of rejecting the gift of God. God does not give, you know, whether you like it or you don't like it. If you say no, you have sinned. If God says, with long life I will satisfy you, and you say, this country is hard, life expectancy is 57 years of age, you will be punished. I don't want to talk about that now, but later on I should talk about the severity of God. The grace that we preach a lot of times, you know I've been saying, it's not the grace of God. Grace instructs us to do right. And two, enables us to do it. It is not the cover for every nonsense we do. Grace instructs us to do right. And two, it enables us to do what is right. It does not mean anything you like, do. It is all right. That teaching is wrong from the foundation to the roofing. I hope you're getting my point. But I want to talk about that now. But what I want to say is this. So what are you supposed to have in life? Check scriptures. If God says this is what you are supposed to have, say yes. Say amen. How will it come to pass? It doesn't matter. The example I gave is that the Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is what? A reward. And it's a blessing to have a quiver full of them. 
This generation did all kinds of things. They say it depends on the size of your quiver. That is the, one of the, you know when you want to twist the word of God and corrupt it, you come up with all kinds of things. It's like the Bible says, blessed the man whose bank account is full. It says it depends on the size of your bank account. You must understand the spirit with which he's talking. He said like arrows in the hands of a warrior. How can you say it depends on the size of your, no, I'm going to battle, I need only one. You know, you're talking nonsense. When David needed only one to knock out Goliath, he took five. So, now, what I'm just trying to say is that, you know, okay, I don't repeat that message again. He said, how will they, how will they feed? That is talking like Israelites seeing giants in the promised land. I hope you're getting my point. If God says it is good, just leave it like that. Just say what? Amen. Don't let this generation tell you that your children must go to Dubai. They don't have to go to Dubai. Most of you have never been to Dubai. And you know what? You will still prosper and do well in this life. Say amen. Ah, say amen. It's important. Dubai is not essential to progress. Some people who are, who are rushing to go to Dubai, they've never been to Calabar. They said they are tourists. You're not tourists, you're just vain. Are you tourists? Really want to tour? Go to Calabar first. <laughs> go to Abuja. Visit Meduguri. See what's going on there. Then you can start deciding you want to go abroad. Let's leave that in there. People will now be undermining the word of God because of what the world has taught them. Remember, the world must not be supreme over God in the affairs of our lives. We've talked about that, alright? So, the third thing he said, the precepts by which we walk. That's the third thing we build on the word of God. The precepts by which we walk, and that's what we're talking about. And last of all, we'll talk about the words that we speak. Now, let's continue on that matter of the precepts. Now, why did, I re- why did we read this as our Bible reading for today, the book of um, Daniel chapter 1? There's something we said last time, and I want to just pick it up from there. I explained to us that it is not what you are looking for directly in life that will often come to you. I hope you're getting my point. There's a principle in scriptures we must never forget. God has joined something together, and you can't put them asunder. You cannot separate wet from water, like they say in English language. Okay? What am I trying to say here? There are things that God has joined together. He said that if you exalt wisdom, she will promote you. So those who go for wisdom, without looking for promotion, they find promotion. Wisdom endows people with wealth. So those looking for wisdom, without looking for wealth, they find wealth. So Solomon asked for wisdom, and he got things he did not ask for. I hope you're getting the point here. Now the same principle applies with faith. The way a lot of us were taught faith, and many of us think about it like that, is that faith to collect something from God. So we have this principle, four steps to receiving from God. Five ste- steps to exercising your faith so you can receive healing. Five steps to exercising your faith so you can receive breakthrough. How to exercise your faith so you can get this. You know, we have all those kind of things. But the truth is that we often miss how faith comes. Faith is not the same thing as intellectual information. We have explained it. You can know a lot of scriptures and don't have an iota of faith. Your head can be full of words. The Pharisees were like that. Head full of words. No faith. The scribes were like that. Head full of scriptures. When I'm talking about words, I mean scriptures. But no faith. Why? Because it is possible to hear and not understand. It's, because, it's possible to see and not perceive. So Paul talked about the spirit of faith. Having the same spirit of faith. And if you read when Paul was talking also, that first Corinthians chapter 12, okay? In that first Corinthians 12, he says something which I know. Please, get me. I don't want to misunderstand me. I'm not saying I, I'm, I, listen, let me put it like this. I understand that he was talking about special manifestations. Okay? But he said faith by the spirit. That tells us also, okay, that faith can be imparted. And I'm saying to us again, the faith we use on a daily basis is also imparted. It's not something you deliberately pick up by yourself. It's God that imparts it to you. He can refuse. He can. He looked at a man like Pharaoh. He said, look, Moses, go there. Say anything you want to like. You, you, you like to say. Say what I told you to say. He will not believe. He said, but what's the difference between believing and obe- uh, obeying? You obey as an automatic consequence of believing. So, when Pharaoh did not obey... It was because he did not believe. That this God now said like this, I have hardened his heart. A hard heart is the opposite of a heart of faith. 
when Jesus wanted to upbraid his um, disciples, he, he, he described them as, as having what? Hard hearts. So, I'm going to bring out something here. You do things that allow God to you know, push faith into your heart. That's what we're talking about. So many times someone will settle down and say, I need to you know, gather faith so I can get these things. Many times, listen, we are not walking the proper way. Paul said, circumcision does not profit anything but what? Neither circumcision or uncircumcision but what? Faith which works by love. So last time, we looked at the story of Ruth again. That Ruth did not have instructions the way we have it now. Wake up in the morning, declare it five times. Face the east and declare. He didn't have those things. She didn't have them. Ruth did not have a situation where somebody sat her down and said, listen, these are the five steps to entering into breakthrough. These are the five steps to becoming a great, great, great grandmother of Jesus Christ. You will do this. No, she didn't have any of those instructions. You know what prepared Ruth? Love for Naomi. That was what propelled Ruth. And that love for Naomi became faith in her God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. All that when your people will be my people, your God shall be my God. It's like, my mother-in-law must not suffer. So faith in her life worked by love. There are two dimensions to love. There's a love for God. Jesus said, upon these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. One, love for the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And two, for your neighbor as yourself. Are you getting my point? So those who love God, who literally love God, in that they want to do that which is pleasing to him. That is the only thing that's called the love of God. Love of God is not worship. Some disobedient people like to rule in church. They are very disobedient. They are stubborn. But when you see them in church, I just want to be where you are. They will sing and sing. Oh, speak in tongues. Kneel on the ground, roll their clothes. And say, Sorry, please. Eh? For a long time. Now, this is Banky's extreme. Don't copy me. Are you getting my point? But for a long time, I've not been impressed with how people behave. A lot of times, you know, visibly. You know, I know it's, it's from where I came from in school, when I was in school. You know, this word of faith movement was happening when I was in school. And then coupled with the spiritual operation, prophesying, you know, seeing visions, revelation. I had a lot of spiritual people around me. Nine out of ten, I don't trust. From experience, Lord would tell me, God said, God said, God said. When they say God said, I said, my friend, my mind, just go away. Some people are angry, they are jealous. Do you get my point? They have ambition, self-glory, everything, but they always prophesy. Love for God is not how you rule. It's not even the amount of offering you give. If a man loves me, he will keep my word. That's a love for God. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. So, who is the fellow that loves the Lord? The fellow who seriously, deliberately wants to do things that are pleasing to him. Your motivating spirit, what is pushing you in life, is this thing, will it please God or will it not please God? You know, a lot of times Christians love to draw a list. Sin, not sin. You understand what I'm saying? Is this one the sin or is it not the sin? They just want commandments. Where did the Bible say this? Where did the Bible not say this? Many of those questions are not necessary. If truly you love, that is, you want to do that which is pleasing to God. Now, when somebody has that in mind, the second one, that's the dimension of love for God. Second is love for your neighbor. Love for, of Ruth for Naomi. Under these two circumstances, God pours faith into people's hearts. Many times, listen, in this life, we operate by faith. Listen, even some people that you don't realize are operating by faith, they are not quoting scripture. But God put faith into their hearts. They are getting things done. I dare to say this. There are people sometimes, they are not even believers. God just says, I need this guy to do something for me. So he takes a dose of faith and tosses it into their hearts. So you see a Syrophoenician woman. 
not of a covenant. Then she walks before Jesus and says, I need this. And Jesus said, this is the children's bread. She said, no, my daughter is sick. You don't understand my point. I need this bread. He said, it belongs to the children. I said, you don't get it. I can't go back home. That girl is tormented. He said, but this is the children's bread. He said, but when the children eat, don't crumbs fall down. Jesus said, they do. He said, give me from the crumbs. I will not touch the children's bread. I will take what the children don't want. He came onto his own. His own did not receive him. Listen to me. I want to say this. I'm not joking about it. In Nigeria today, eh? From people I've spoken with, please, I excuse, let me remove those of you who are close to me here, who we chat together. If I remove people I chat with, Kingdom World area, and I stretch, you no, know, again, a lot of my brethren, local brethren, I just go to the general Christian population. Let me tell you one truth I have found out. There are more Muslims who believe in Nigeria than Christians. I'm not joking about it. And listen to me, let me scare you. Until God stirs up faith in the heart of believers, he has no choice but to hand the nation over to the Muslims. Listen, he's not a partial God. Jesus went into his own hometown, could not do one mighty work. A woman came from afar. Jesus said, I don't want to talk to you. She got her miracle. I'm not joking about this. I told you I belong to professional chat groups. Come and hear the so-called Christians talk and see the Muslims talk. There was a day I talked about the nation, you know, defended the country, explained some things. 90% of my thumbs up, thumb ups, you know, approval, were for Muslims. You see the names. Abdullah, Yusuf, Usman, you see them. But the, the Andrews, Phillips, Peters, they are seeing everything wrong with the society. So they, they will pack their bags and baggages and become average you know, low, low middle income, you know. You know, there's low, middle, and high. Then in between, you have the people that are hanging between low and middle, and those hanging between middle and high. And most people are running up and down without faith in their hearts. They end up at best middle. Most, the step before middle. And then when God has done some things for the Syrophoenician people of the nation, I hope I get my point. They were looking for excuses. It's because their people are in power. I know what I'm saying. So even that dose of faith, God takes it sometimes and just dashes them, dashes it to Syrophoenician women. You, you get my concept here. Why? Because sometimes they have love in their hearts. So you wonder, why is this man investing where everybody's running? Because I gave him a dose of faith that your brethren rejected. You know, one of the things Christians need to learn, and God giving me the, the spirit, the opportunity, the length of life, I want to teach it about the justice of God. It's a just God. People think that this mercy of Jesus is the excuse for us to start, continue to misbehave. No. The grace of God does two things for us. One, He instructs us in righteousness. How to live in a godly and holy fashion. And two, it enables us to do it. One of our sisters, one day she said, ah, pastor, I'm, I'm, which word did she use now? But like, I'm discouraged, yes, that's a good word. That she's discouraged, she wanted to, you know, she's thinking of just leaving the country and all of that. That she wanted to make a massive investment in one of our cities in southern Nigeria. But the crisis and all of that, she's thinking, is it worth it? And you're talking about big investment. I know it's coming to scores and scores of millions of naira. So I said, don't worry. When else will come, I'll talk to you. When I saw, I said, that thing you called me about, let's talk. I said, you know what God wants from you? Invest your money. Go and listen to our spiritual economic series. I taught it that time. That the Bible says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Well, your sowing must be in tears. I said, those who sow in tears... You must understand, Christians often use that thing only when it comes to giving offerings. It's just a, that's an application. The literal thing that God was talking about is seed in the ground. Money in opening businesses. I told her, I said, listen, my sister, pour the money into the ground. Don't worry about it. I said, can you lose the money? I said, yes. I'm not here to tell you that. Don't worry, God in hell. No, 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 no. Let me tell you the truth. You can lose it. 
You can put a hundred million naira down. After five years, crisis is gone. I said, but there's only one problem. If you don't do it, you can't pray for this land anymore. If you don't do it, you lose the right to pray. Because the reason why you will not do it is because there is no hope. Hope is the product of faith. Hope is not a desire. So when hope has failed you, you can't pray. So I said, end your right to pray. I hope you're getting my point. End your right to pray. The truth is that where you are connected with, you pray in a different way. You pray in a different way. You pray in a different way. Asu has been going on strike since I was in university. No, okay, when I was in school, they didn't, they didn't ever go on strike. I can't remember. But universities have been closing for different reasons for a long time. Asu has been going on strike for a long time. I'm a member of Asu. They go on strike, really. Well, because where I teach is um, a college of medicine. We usually break Asu rules. I teach on the clinical side, so... We don't have the time, the luxury of just closing school anyhow because our students are affected by so many groups. University lecturers, the, ho- the doctors in the hospital, the, as- the support staff in the hospital, the, the one in the, there are so many. So generally, the unions in the university and the teaching hospital affects them. So when you call strike a lot of time, we just find a way to continue our work anyway. But then, as we went on strike recently, this time around, I had a different attitude. I prayed differently. Do you know why? I now have a son who is not a medical student, who is in environmental studies, in architecture. And when they are on strike, he's at home, causing trouble. I know you're not causing trouble, just kidding. <laughs> Do you understand? He's at home. His friends in private universities are moving on. So when I pray, it's different. Before, it's like, Father, the peace, let your peace reign in Nigeria. <laughs> it's peace reign in Nigeria. But now, Keburo Saboyata. Asusko. That is, the tongues are different. Asu will be showing up in my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point here. I told my sister that I said, please, pour your money inside. And the right to drive evil out of the land. When you say to God, let peace reign. There is something rising up from deep inside you. Far beyond what words can utter. That's when groanings come. You just like that. That's all you say for 10 minutes. Next time you open your mouth again. Under 10 minutes. You want to pray again? <clears throat> Groanings that cannot be uttered. When your everything you say is very, very sound all the time, you never see well. But when your tongue is too balanced, the trouble is not deep yet. <laughs> it's sounding like Chinese, Japanese, well, I never bust. When it starts, starts, when it starts sounding like Bushma of the Kalahari, then you know matter day. Then you know that something's going on here. (laughs) What am I going to say? (laughs) So many people, because of love, how God stimulates in their hearts, I don't know. God throws faith into their hearts. And the children that are supposed to have the bread, they have nothing. Jesus came to his hometown. You know what happened? Nothing. They were looking at him. <laughs> Jesus is in ministry too. Eh? This is their family. They have pastors so. That's how John went the other day, became crazy inside the... No, you think everybody liked John? No. John was not well dressed. Camel, is it goat skin or camel skin? Is it goat skin? Locust and wild honey. There's madness in this family. Think about it. Because Jesus too showed up as I preached. They said, we knew it. <laughs> this family, they have, they are mad people here. So once we lay hands, we say, ah, we heard that you do miracles. Is it so? 
Uh-huh. So you and Elijah, you are in the same group. This is how his relatives were questioning him. His village men. Meanwhile, the Syrophoenician, the Syrophoenician woman came. He said, sir, I will not leave you until you bless me. She squeezed the blessing out of him. The Roman centurion. Those are the only two people under the ministry of Jesus that the Bible says had great faith. That Jesus said had great faith. Didn't say concerning Peter. Didn't say concerning John. You know what he was saying concerning Peter? I have prayed for you. The only time he talked about the faith of the... That your faith will not fail. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? But two foreigners made him marvel. Two foreigners. They made him marvel. And look at it, in both circumstances, they were not looking for anything for themselves. One was looking for her daughter, the Syrophoenician woman. The other one, and you know the truth? Derek Prince said, the one, in fact, he said, me, I'm the one qualifying it. Let me just say what he said. He said, the worst sin of Christians is pride. I'm the one that just said is one of the worst. He said, the worst sin of Christians is pride. That if God can cure your pride, you had it made. Why am I talking about it? Both people that Jesus said had great faith pushed them, they put themselves on the ground. One said, dog, no problem. I, I, I acknowledge the fact that I'm one of the dogs. The second one said, I am not worthy for you to come into my house. That one said, I'm not worthy. No, you can't come to my house. But just speak the word and I know my servant will be healed. Jesus looked and said, Ah! Man, don't work out for Israel. I've never seen faith like this. See, I've never seen faith like this. No, not in Israel. That's the children who, I hope you're getting my point. The children, he said, he had never seen faith like that amongst them. What am I talking about it? I just feel like it's a word for this season. God is taking the food Bread that belongs to the children and is giving it to Syrophoenician people. Roman centurions are collecting. They are prospering. I hope I get my point. Yet, the people of God are there whining and complaining. Almost everybody I've seen telling me that I want to do this. I want to go here. I want to go there. They hardly, you see, there's nothing like what can I contribute to develop this nation, I mean. Fingers always pointed somewhere. Leaders, leaders, leaders. Our leaders have ruined this country. One guy told me that a few days ago. The problem we have is that I didn't know, I feel like I think that you're, I looked at the guy like, but you were just a leader a few days ago of the association of whatever you're a member of. You are a president. And crisis, you left in, they impeached you. And you are in front of me here telling me the problem we have is leaders. Listen, there are things we do that God will pour faith in our hearts. Last time I talked about that love matter. We sat on it. I'm going over it again briefly. Love for Naomi that Ruth had. She became an ancestress of Jesus Christ, do a Moabitess. People that God said, don't come near my temple for ten generations. God forgot about all those rules. Broke them for, 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 for Ruth. Because of what love did in her life. Opened her heart and God put faith inside it. We read from Daniel chapter 1. Those four young men. Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, Ananiah. Okay? They said something. See the love they had for God. They didn't want to do anything that would displease him. They made it clear that we will not defile ourselves. We have come into Babylon, not our desire, not our plan, but we will not defile ourselves by whatever is going on in this place. That was the determination they had from the beginning. Which verse is that? Please help me point it out. 
Verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defy himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defy himself. He said, test your servants. So it was not just him. Him and his friends, who the Bible listed in verse 7. He said, look, test us. What was the purpose for this test? They didn't want to defy themselves. And they made up their minds before they went in. Let me say this to you. Don't ever... No, I used to think when I was young, huh, if they put me before the fiery furnace, will I not bow? Huh? I, mean, I like to tell the truth to <laughs> God. This bowing thing, I don't want to bow, but you will understand. If they bomb, if you put small candle in your nose, you will bow. Please don't pretend like a strong man. He said, ah, Pastor, you don't know me. Peter said it to Jesus too. So don't think you are new. Your breed is new. Peter said it to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus looked at Peter. You, I will never deny you. <laughs> Peter, stop talking. This pride is no good. Pride goes before a denial. <laughs> before a fall. Peter says, sir, I know me. I don't deny people. I'm a faithful friend. In our neighborhood, everybody knows. I'm the guy that sticks with his friend till the end. Jesus said, no problem. See, that grace we gave you all this while, you think is now your power. Jesus just like this. Boom, two angels collected the grace. And kept it in the wardrobe. No, when Jesus said, you deny me three times before the cock crows twice. This is my understanding of it. It wasn't say, it wasn't say one cock will crow in the morning. And that one will crow at night. You have 12 hours. No. Have you seen cocks crow? They release one. They pause. Take their breath. And release another one. It's just a few seconds. Maybe 15 seconds. Peter denied Jesus three times in 15 seconds. <laughs> It was rush denial. Denial here, move to the other side. Ah, see, one of them, John, that is, before that cock could repeat the crowing, this man had gone through denial three times. What does that tell you? He wasn't thinking. He wasn't thinking. He was not thinking. So those who don't deny the Lord, it's not their strength. It's not their strength. So that's why I'm convinced. Daniel did not deny him the time of the lion's den. You remember the story? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah did not deny him the fiery furnace. I am convinced it was not their strength. I am absolutely convinced it was not their strength. It was, it couldn't have been. It could not have been. It could not have been. It was not their strength. They said, of course, Nebuchadnezzar looked and saw a fourth man, all right, that looked like the Bible says, actually, literally, a son of the gods. That this person is not a human being. It's a spirit. All right? An angel. Maybe the Lord himself. We don't know. But this is what I want you to understand. The Lord didn't follow them into the fiery furnace. That is, he didn't appear in the fiery furnace. He was there all the while. The fire only made him visible. I don't know whether you're getting my point. When they say bow, he will do like this. The boys are in front. He just put his hand behind them. Even the ones that want to be tempted to bow, realize that his back can't bend. So he opens his mouth. He said, behold, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom. These are spiritual manifestations. The moment the king said, you will bow, what is going on here? The Lord will just do like this. The backs go stiff, the mouth opens, and those answers they gave were prophetic words. Not human intellect. They opened their mouth and began to prophesy. What am I going to say? The strength not to bow was poured into them. Why? Because before they entered into the place, they said, guys, we will not defile ourselves when we enter this place. At that time, it wasn't hard. It was just amongst them. Like we say, now we, we. Just in our room. Guys, we have entered Babylon. What do we do? This is the world. This is the real world. So as we are going in, let us pray. Father, we dedicate ourselves to you again. We will not defile ourselves by the things that young men are defiled by in Babylon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm putting, you know, <laughs> Christianity do it. And they went about their business. What concerned them was that they wanted to be pleasing to God. 
For that reason, everywhere they made challenges, the Lord poured grace. The Lord poured, you know what it says? It has to be by faith that it might be in accordance with grace. So the spirit of faith was poured into them. That's why nobody, they could not boast that they did it. They could not boast, in fact, like I say humorously, that Daniel, they said don't pray. He went to home to pray about the decree. <laughs> I don't know whether you get my point. He wasn't breaking the law. He said, you are not allowed to pray to any God for the next 30 days. He said, are you serious? Let me go and tell the Lord about it. Do you catch the joke? <laughs> that he went to pray. Say, Lord, how do we handle this matter? He was already breaking the law by trying to solve the decree. What am I going to say? You see, grace made him break the law. Grace made him stand. God put faith into his heart. Why? Because he had the determination. That's the point I'm making. He had the determination that I will not disappoint my Lord. What mattered to him is, God, we can't do this thing and sin against you. Nobody gave those men lectures on faith. That's what I'm trying to explain. Nobody gave them lectures on faith. This is how to get deliverance. When you see the fiery furnace, you begin to prophesy. As the Lord lives, who is inside me? This fire will not burn me. No. They didn't come the ten steps on how to quench fire from burning you. It wasn't part of their lessons in faith. It was just simple. Guys, let's not disappoint the Lord. Yes. Whatever we want to do, will it be pleasing to him? That's what matters. Then as they were going on, Faith was being poured into their hearts at different spots along the way. That's my understanding. Nobody by himself or by herself conjures up serious faith. It is what your heart is locked on that decides whether faith will be strong in your heart or faith will not be strong in your heart. It's not the amount of information you have. It's the person you are most interested in pleasing. Do you get the principle? And that's what we are talking about. So what is it that we are supposed to do as believers? That is, we say, we said it earlier, last time we read, let's read it again. Psalm 118. Psalm 118. We'll read from verse um, 5 again. No, sorry, not, not verse 5. Verse 15, I wanted to say. We are going to verse 19, but again, we'd like to come get some context. So the sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. He said, I will not die but live. And tell of the works of the Lord. Why did he say that? Verse 18. The Lord has disciplined me severely. But he has not given me over to death. Now how do I come out of the place where I appear like I'm going to die? Where it appears like I'm going to die. But I know I will not die. How do I come out of the place of smallness, the place of being downtrodden, the place of the lost discipline. How do I come out? Verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter into deliverance. Now, I'm adding a few words now. I shall enter into deliverance through them. I shall enter into prosperity through them. When I do, I shall give thanks to the Lord. He said, this is the gate of the Lord. That is, has been pointed out to me. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to the Lord, for you have answered me. And you have become my salvation. Please bear this in mind. I shall give thanks to the Lord, for you have answered me. I shall shall give thanks to you, that is the Lord, for you have answered me. And you, Lord, have become my salvation. Now, I need us to go back to that thing we read last time. It's very important. The one we read from um, uh, Paul's letter. To Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three. He said, now for times that we just quickly go there. He said, you however, verse 14 now. Now you however continue the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings of the holy scriptures which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 
Let's continue, just complete reading that, reading that chapter, verse 16. All scripture, this is how you can get it. Why you can get faith from it. Why you can get wisdom that leads to salvation from it. It's because all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, Psalm 118. The Bible tells us that God was telling us, you know, in that psalm, that listen, if a man is down, a woman is down. Listen to this. He needs to come out of the place where he is down. He needs to come out of sickness. He needs to come out of poverty into what the Bible calls salvation. The word salvation in the Bible, those days were taught, if you read um, Schofield Bible, and if you go and read um, um, this book, Vine's Exposited Dictionary of New Testament Words. The word salvation has a lot of meanings. It's the same word for healing. It, it has inside it healing. It has inside it deliverance. It has inside it you know, salvation from sin. Deliverance from hellfire. It has in, or anything, deliverance from bondage. Somebody is oppressed by evil spirits. You cast out the devil. It's so called, so called salvation. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus healed them all. The literal Greek is Jesus saved them all. And it's healing they are talking about. So when David said, all right, that God has become his salvation. Like we read just now, I just feel like quickly going back there, just give me a second. This is very important, we tie those two things together. It said, I will give thanks to you, you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. This was what he was saying, let me just explain it here. So if somebody is down, and needs to come out of the place of being down, into the place of deliverance, the place of salvation, Gates will be opened. Different doors will be opened. Different opportunities will be given. Different methods for coming out of the place of smallness into abundance will be given. He said, this is what Christians are supposed to do. From beginning, they should settle down and say, I will only pass through the gates of God. He said, how do I know the gates of God? Look at what he said. I will give thanks to you for you have answered me and have become what? My salvation. That is, it is in prayer that the believer discovers which one is the gate of God. I hope you're getting what I'm going to explain here. That's what I said to us last time. Listen to me. Ha! This following of God, let's go by it again. Joshua and Caleb said, I follow the Lord my God, how? Fully. We read that from Numbers chapter 14. God said himself that Joshua followed me fully. I need to explain this again. This is what it means. The word of God has different aspects. Let me add this on to it. He also has different time zones. I'm just adding that one to you for the first time. But I've said it again many times, you know, again and again, just different words. The word of God has different aspects. And it has different epochs in the operations in your life. What do I mean by this? We've understood the different aspects. One, God gives you the promise. That is where a lot of people miss it. They hear the promise and they disappear. What is the promise? Someone shows up in your house, takes a bottle of oil, in the midst of your brethren with your, your father there, pours the oil on your head. He said, God has anointed you king in Israel. That's a promise. Because as soon as he finished anointing you, you went back to being a shepherd. That anointing has produced what the Bible calls hope. And David, Paul said like this, if we have hope, it's because we have not yet seen it. That how can a man hope for that which is in his hand already? Hope is not bad. Sometimes in our teaching on faith, we mischaracterize hope. Hope is a firm expectation, but it is an expectation. So, you are the king of Israel. Someone had just generated divine hope for David. As at that day, couldn't command Shishi. Couldn't command anybody. Nobody is following him to any battle. His brothers were still insulting him. You have come, stubborn boy, troublemaker. What are you looking for here? His father was still sending him up and down. Eh, uh-huh. David, uh, you are a king in Israel, not in my house. Come, come and go and meet your brothers. <laughs> you understand my point? Why? Being a king was still what? A future event. That's what the Bible calls what? Hope. Now, how will live? Now, listen to this. Listen to this. David said, God has answered me. I am in, I'm a shepherd. Now, let's. Try and paint a new picture. I'm supposed to enter into salvation and become what? A king. Salvation is that which God has promised you. 
So you are poor, but you have a promise of what? Prosperity. You read the Bible like we are studying here last time, that's about two weeks ago, that the God, that prosperity is the will of God. The Lord that God has given you what? The power to get wealth, but you are broke. He said, if God has given to it to me, hey, why am I not experiencing it? Listen, David was anointed too. And the only thing anointing brought for him was what? Trouble, thank you. I know you don't read your Bible. Trouble. Saul was not haunting his life until he was anointed. Except he was anointed, Goliath would not have been a problem for him. If he was not anointed, God replacing him, using him to replace Saul, why would Saul go mad for him to be going to the king's palace to be playing music? The only thing that anointing brought for David was trouble. That's why I say to you many times, if you see giants, it doesn't mean you, do, you are not in a promised land. If you don't invest your money, you can't lose it. It will rot away, but you won't lose it. I hope you are getting my point. <laughs> One reason is that when you decide to get up and pursue the inheritance of God, that's when you put your, life, your investment at risk. That's when risks come into your life. Listen, if you want to stay on one spot and not make progress in life, you die there, but you will not have any risks. So the fact that there's trouble around is a sign that you are going somewhere. I hope you're getting my point here. David was peaceful until they anointed him. The moment they anointed him, Omo, voila, trouble start. Nobody threw any javelin after him until they anointed him king. All the troubles of David's life came from the bottle of someone. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> Samuel said he came with oil. He'll be king as a punch pouring the oil. Trouble boss in the family. We said it last time, but there's what the precepts of God. What is the precept of God? Or what are the precepts of God? Is the method by which God will take you into your salvation. It's important we get, we get this clear. For David, you know, there are people they told you'll be king in Israel. They started killing other people. Was it Jehu that went and killed the king before him? They said you'll be king in Israel. They said, guys, guys, I've heard the word. We're going to be the king in Israel. So that king on the throne, what do we do? We take him out. We said it last time. David has been instructed. I personally have a strong you know, conviction. It was by Samuel. Who wrote the book of Ruth also. Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. Now, that's 1 and 2 Samuel. Now, I believe that Samuel... Being a very wise man. You know, you know, Samuel was close to God. It was something like Moses. You know that? Yeah, he and Moses were in the same dimension. And that's why God, you know, when he wanted to warn Jeremiah, he said, go and call those two friends of mine. They, they can't help you. They were, they, 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 Samuel was very close to God. Samuel was the type that when God's heart was broken, Samuel did a cry. If you offended God, Samuel cried on his behalf. But God couldn't cry, so God will come to someone. Sam, say yes, my Lord. Now, wow. What happened? We told Saul to do something, he didn't do it. I feel very bad that I have made him king. God will say with a flat tone, Today I feel bad that I made Saul king. Someone says, That's so. No, just be feeling bad, I'll do the cry. I'm going to read your Bible. The man will cry all night and refuse to sleep. That's how close the man was to God. So he knew things. That's what I'm coming to. He knew things. Anyone that God really loves, he gives instructions. He will teach you in the way that you should choose. That is a sign that you are close to God, not the car you are driving. I hope you're getting my point. Is that your mouth becomes a place where people seek wisdom. That's the sign. You know what God is thinking. That's a sign of closeness. It's not that I've gone to grab my father's car, I've disappeared. Your father is rich, you take his car, you take his phone, take everything, go away. The one that's close knows everything he's thinking. Someone was close to God, so he instructed David, I've anointed you king. There are do's and don'ts of being a king. One of them, don't touch the king before you. No matter what, don't touch him. So you know the story? Twice, God gave David, it's called temptation. He gave him the opportunity to kill Saul. And in the eyes of everybody else, it would have been justified. 
First, those who understand have spiritual things, you say, you're the next king. We know. You're anointed. It's your turn. Those who know physical things alone say, oh boy, it's called self-defense. Nobody, I mean, this is war, man. All is fair in war. It's war, man. Survival is, is kill or be killed. If you don't kill him, he kills you. What will, what will your anointing do for you? In the grave? Will your corpse, your rotten corpse become the king? The boy said, Oga, leave this ministry thing out. Look, look, Oga, this is not church. This is warfare. Just give me the instruction. I kill her now. Now, I, look, why waste time? You know what, it, you know what that man said to David? I swear, I won't strike him twice. <laughs> that, sir, if you are afraid that he might feel the pain, or he may wake up and shout, don't worry. I will strike him. <laughs> Listen, and those men were warriors. These are men that two of them will face 300 enemies. David and one of them stood against 300 enemies to defend beans that somebody planted. These were strong men. The one that made me laugh is the one that said, he saw a lion anoint him. He went after the lion in a pit on a day that he snowed. Defied the cold, defied the lion. Fierce men of war. Say, give me the instruction. I behead him now. God will go home. Then, no, two things, sir. One, your life is no longer in jeopardy. Number two, you mount your throne. I mean, think about it. Let's be reasonable here. You people carry this Christianity thing too much. You carry it to an extreme. Your children can't eat. You're telling me you don't take bribe. Are you saying what the way for reason? Okay, don't carry Christianity to this thing. Your life is in danger. You say I shouldn't strike the Lord's anointed. Okay, you know he's anointed. Does he not know he's anointed? Okay, okay, you're anointed. He's anointed. Okay, who's the most anointed? <laughs> All kinds of rational arguments. Then David said, listen, listen, guys. Let me explain something to you. Now, I am convinced. These were instructions from someone. He said, paradventure. When God is ready, he will go to battle. He will die. He said, but we must not let it go on record that we were the ones that shed his blood. Boys, let's go. Boys, after our lives, God will protect us. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That is, he said, open to me the gates of God. I'm down. I'm a fugitive. I'm poor. I have nothing. I need to get into my throne. I need to get into my abundance. I need to get into my authority, which someone had already established for me by the pouring of oil on my head in the midst of my brethren. But see, I can only enter it through what? The gates of God. How do you know the, gate, know the gate of God? It says the gate of righteousness. Righteousness that he has been instructed concerning from the mouth of Samuel. So he said, how do I get to know? He said, thank you, Lord, because you have answered me. He said, you have become my salvation. And you know, the way Paul explained it to Timothy, he said, you've known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. What is that wisdom? The ways of God. What is that wisdom? The precepts of God. So what God gives his people is a knowledge of his precepts. A sign that God is ready to bless you is when he starts correcting you. People think money is what God is giving. No, no. The first thing he gives is correction. When you know that really God is on my case, he's showing me his love. He starts teaching you the way that you should choose. You look over your life for the last 10 years, just point, sometimes he does that. I was listening to the prince yesterday, was explaining that God took him back to things that were 30 years old. He said he realized something. That the only sin he forgives is the one you have confessed. So sometimes so that God can clean you completely, he will remind you, oh boy, this is how you were behaving 15 years ago. No, 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 he's not saying, you know, people think that they go and do restitution. God said, no, forget restitution. Something cannot be restituted. He said, only acknowledge your iniquity. Just say, it was wrong. God starts looking over and like, oh boy, like one of my friends at that day, he said, first of all, thank you. He said, oh boy, the kind of things we did those things we call ministry. I can't believe we did those things. And he starts telling the story and laughing. It may sound like a joke, but he was saying, ha, how could we be that stupid? The Bible says, only what? 
acknowledge your iniquity. So the man was acknowledging his iniquity. As you see with me and laughing, God is wiping them away. 